welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. So today, we're going to talk about love your neighbor. Everybody say love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And guess what? Your neighbor just heard that because you're basically sitting on everybody's lap. So they're all right beside you. Everybody can hear everything you say. So today we're talking about love your neighbor in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And it's so... Who who grew up watching Mr. Rogers? Yep. Tiny bits. Who has never seen Mr. Rogers? Can you put up really high so we can all of this? You've never seen Mr. Rogers? <laughs> Mr. Rogers was an amazing man who was actually a Presbyterian minister who uh, began a kids' show and just taught kids all kinds of things about how to act properly, how to think properly, how to talk properly, how to love. And uh, we're just going to talk about in this series about what love really looks like. So today we're talking about love your neighbor. So we're going to start. Does everybody have something to read from today? Yeah. Oh, look at that Bible. Look at that Bible. Who's got actual Bibles? Love Bibles. Love Bibles. Love paper Bibles. We're going to open up to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Starting in verse 25. And this is a story between Jesus and a lawyer who was um, a lawyer in the religious law. So they're having this conversation. And starting in verse 25, it says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He says this, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What am I supposed to do so that I make sure that I can live forever? So that when I die, I go to heaven. What am I supposed to do? Verse 26, Jesus replies and he says, well, he says, what does the law of Moses say? I love, this is one of the things I love about Jesus is, have you ever asked him a question about something? And he says, well, what do you think I would say about this? What do you think the Bible would say about this? Jesus, can I do this? Well, What do you think? I feel like we've talked about this before somewhere. So what do you think? So Jesus says to this guy, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Now, that's just an important, as we're standing here, I just had this thought. I'm going to put this plug in there. It says, how do you read it? You need to read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, one of the things that Jesus said to me probably 15 years ago uh, was, uh, Jake, you need to know my words, you need to know my voice, and you need to know my spirit. And the way that you start off by doing that is by cracking open that book that Pastor Blake is holding his hand, or the Bible that you're holding in your hands, or the phone that you're staring at. You crack that thing open, and you begin to read it. If you want to know God, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know what his word says, if you want to know what to do in any given circumstance, if you want to know how you're supposed to live your life, you've got to read the word of God. There's no getting around that. So, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) That's just the way it goes. 
So Jesus says to this guy, how do you read it? Because this guy is an expert. So in verse 27, the guy says, well, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the question is, how do I inherit life? Jesus says, I don't know. What do you think? The guy says, this is what I think. I've got to love the Lord your God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, all of my soul, and all of my strength and love my neighbor as myself. And if I do those two things, then I'll inherit eternal life. 28, Jesus says this. He says, right, do this and you'll live. Now let's just pause here. We're going to answer two questions, hopefully, in our time today. The first question we're going to answer is, uh, how do you love yourself? And the second question we're going to answer is, who is your neighbor? How do you love yourself? And who's your neighbor? So I want to break down in the last, go back to verse, um, 20, is it 27? Where it says, yes. So I want to break this down for you real quick, just so you get a good picture of what this verse actually means. Okay, is that all right with everybody? Okay, so Christian, let's put the first word up here. Um, and it says, for heart. Now in the Greek, when, when the guy says, you must love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is what he's saying. Now in the Greek, this word is cardia. Okay? And it means the heart. That is figuratively, figuratively your thoughts and feelings. Now the next word here is soul. And that is suke, which is breath. By implication, your spirit. Now the next word, strength. Iskus is what it actually is. And it means ability, might, power, and strength. I work out at the same gym as... As Justin? Yeah, when Justin goes. I don't know how this guy does it. When you get a chance, when you're walking past Justin without him knowing, just grab his arm. <laughs> the guy says he doesn't go to the gym, but I was at the gym one day working out at the same time Justin was there. And he's got massive barbells, these, these dumbbells that he's slinging around that I think weighed as much as me. And when I saw Justin's arms, I was impressed. You did take a photo. I did. <laughs> and he didn't know about it. I took a picture of it, and then I sent it to him. It was creepy, but I really enjoyed every minute of it. saying here to love God with every part of your being. And there's one more word here. Mind, which is dianoia. And it's this, your imagination, your mind, or your understanding. So when he says you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, what he is literally saying is with every piece of who you are, you need to love God. With your body, with your imagination and your thoughts, with your spirit, with your emotions, every part of you needs to love God. Amen. A lot of us love God on Sunday morning for 45 minutes. A lot of us think about God. Did anybody watch that video that was in the newsletter a couple weeks ago about reading your Bible? Put your hands up if you saw that. If you saw yeah. that. It's really good. Yeah. It was really good. It's talked about the importance of reading your Bible and what happens when you read your Bible. And that it begins by starting off by saying how little 
most Christians actually crack their Bibles open and read them. Gotta love God with everything that we have. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when your life is falling apart. See, a lot of us love God when our life is falling apart. We run to Him. And when things are okay, we kind of forget about it. And then things go bad again, and we run back to God. And then they, they get okay again, and we kind of forget about it, and we kind of slack off. Or we do a fast, and we really press into God because we're all together seeking God's face, seeking God to move in our heart and life. And so we're really thinking about it all the time, and then the fast ends, and then we all kind of pull back away. But this guy says, the law says this, you must love the Lord your God with literally every piece of who you are. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So some of you would have heard me say this before. But the problem is, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, a lot of us don't really love ourselves. And how do you change that? Because if I don't love me, how can I love Reese? If Reese doesn't love himself, how can he love Anthony? Well, it comes back to the beginning part where it says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Because if you love God with every piece of who you are, and if you spend your time and God is always in your thoughts, He is always in your reality, He is always a part of your life, then do you know what happens? Do you know what happens? Well, you begin to think the same thoughts that God thinks. Amen. You begin to believe the things that God believes. Yeah. You begin to act the way that God wants yes. you to act. Amen. You've heard, I don't know how many countless times, you've probably heard someone say something along these lines, you want me to show you your future? Show me your friends. Or uh, did anybody's parents, when you were growing up, tell you, hey, you're going to act like who you hang out with? Yeah. And it is true, right? Yeah. You do act. You do become who you hang out with. So if you hang out with God, and you spend time with God, if you spend time reading your Bible, if you spend time talking to Him when you're driving down the road, and you say, God, what do you think about this? God, should I buy this car? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I date this person? Do you want me to go over here? Am I supposed to do this? God, what are your thoughts? Do you know what happens? The more time you spend with Him, the more you become Him. You become like Him. You begin to think like Him. You begin to act like Him. So... For you to begin to loving yourself starts with you spending time with God so that your thoughts and your actions and your beliefs begin to line up with Him. And as you spend more time with Him, you begin to love who He created you to be. That's right. Think about this. If you don't love yourself, what are you saying about God's creation? <laughs> what are you saying? God loves you. God made you just the way you are, exactly how He wanted you. And here you sit saying, I don't love myself. What are you saying about God? Oh, you must have got something wrong somewhere. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You spend time with Him and you begin to line up with the things that he's called you to believe, with the way that he feels about you, with the way that he thinks about you. You begin to see things the way that he sees them. 
And as you begin to love yourself because God loves you, and as you begin to spend more time with Him, you begin to walk in love. And as you begin to walk in love, and as you begin to be filled with love, because the Bible says that God is love, right? So as you begin to spend that time with Him, you begin to walk in love towards other people. So you can begin to love your neighbor as yourself because you love yourself and because you love God and you spend time with Him. So how do you love yourself? By spending time with God. And in that time with God, as you're filled up with love, you begin to love other people that you encounter. Is that making sense? Is everybody's butt numb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loading up on cookies back there? Carbo loading. <laughs> Do you need to sit down in your chair? <laughs> Love the Lord your God with every piece of who you are. It's an interesting thought because. When we find somebody that we fall in love with, we can love those people with every piece of who we are, right? When you fall in love with somebody, you think about them all the time, you want to talk to them all the time, you want to be with them all the time. But when it comes to God, we have a different mindset about that. Right? It's, it's a little true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's not the kind of relationship that he desires to have with us. He wants a relationship with you where you can be driving to where it is you go. And you're saying, hey, um, what are your thoughts about this? I have this problem. I don't, I don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? Yeah. And he says, oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I do. God is wanting you to invite him into your life in every day, in every way. Amen. Let me say it this way. There is no part of your life that God does not want to be included in. Yeah. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. So he says, I think I'll inherit eternal life by loving God with every piece of my being, my complete self. And if I do that and love my neighbor as myself, he says, I think that's how I inherit eternal life. Jesus says, yeah, you got it, buddy. That's the answer. But then here's the, here's the next verse in 29. The guy says this, trying to justify himself. He said, who is my neighbor? That's a question that only somebody who's trying to justify their action can say. Okay, okay, that's good, yeah, that's good, that's good, all right. But let me ask you this, just so we're both on the same page. Who is my neighbor, exactly? Can we talk about that a minute? Like, who is my neighbor? Do I have to love? Just like, these people who live on my street, is my neighbor my family? Is my neighbor my friends? Is there anybody who is not my neighbor that I get not to love? <laughs> like, who? What he's really saying is, who don't I have to love? Who am I okay being a jerk to? You know... We live at the end of Cultus Lake. Oh. <laughs> oh. And uh, a few months ago, I had this realization. Because, you know, there's all kinds of drivers on the road, right? There is, me and Josiah literally had somebody try and kill us on the road earlier this week. 
So there's crazy drivers. There is nice drivers. There's really, really slow drivers <laughs> who are just, you know, let's go to the lake for a drive today. And that's great. <laughs> I really hope you enjoy, you enjoy the scenery. But maybe you could pull over when there's 20 cars piled up behind you and you go somewhere. So one day I was driving home, stuck behind somebody going really slow, and just like, I just wanted to get home. And then I had this thought, what if this person lives in the neighborhood? What if I'm tailing this person and we both pull in? And our house is like right away, and they see me pull into my house right away. That'd be a very bad neighbor. So I realize that when I'm driving home, I probably need to be a nice driver on the road. Because those people could be my neighbor. But you take that and you expand that thought and you realize that there is nobody that you don't get to love. That's right. That's right. Nobody. Everybody is your neighbor. So the guy says, who's my neighbor? Who, who don't I have to love? And then Jesus begins, in typical Jesus fashion, to tell a story. Yes. Don't you love it when Jesus answers questions with stories? Yes. Story time with Jesus. Yes. <laughs> if Jesus had been around in the 80s, this is when he would have pulled out a flannel graph board. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what flannel graphs are? <laughs> Jesus begins to tell a story. Reese, what time is it? Let's read that. We'll get through this. Jesus begins to tell a story. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which historians say is about 17 or 18 miles. He was attacked by a bunch of bandits, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, the road that he was walking on, uh, historians called it the Bloody Way. And it was notorious for people being attacked on uh, because it was this long stretch of road where nobody was around. There was caves all over the place. And these crooks and thieves would hide in the caves. And when people came walking down, they would jump out from nowhere, beat these guys, take their stuff, leave them for dead. And so this is what happens to this guy. And it says in verse 31, by chance, a priest came along. Now, in different translations, it says this was a high priest. And the high priests were the ones who went into the inner courts and worked in the temple of God, made the sacrifices. They were the ones who knew the laws, who knew what God had called them to do, who knew what God said they were supposed to be like. And so this guy is laying in a ditch, dying, stripped of his clothes, bloody beaten, just laying there, left to die. And thank God a priest comes walking along. A high priest, someone who is after God's own heart. So surely this guy's going to get off the road and go help this guy, isn't he? Isn't that the right thing to do? Isn't that what God wants us to do? It's not a trick question. God, <laughs> God would want us to do that, right? But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and left the guy there. He didn't, he didn't just like walk by him looking at him. He actually went to the other side of the road. 
and got far away from him and passed by. Now, there could have been a bunch of reasons for that. None of them are worth talking about. None of them are justified. Maybe he was afraid of getting mugged. Maybe he was afraid because he was a high priest. Maybe he was going to go perform ceremonial duties and he couldn't get blood on him because if he got blood on him, he'd have to go wash and be made clean again. Maybe he just didn't want to do that. Who knows? The point is, is this guy who knew better chose not to. And, and most people believe that the man that was mugged and was in the ground, lying on the ground, lying for dead, was a Jewish man. So they were countrymen. They were friends. They would, they, would, they would say, oh, this is my brother. I should help this guy. But this guy says, nope, crosses the road, walks on. Verse 32, a temple assistant. Some translations say a Levite. Levites worshipped in the temple. They led worship. They served other areas of the temple. So this guy as well knew the laws, knew what he was supposed to do, knew what was required of him. But the Bible says he walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also chose to walk to the other side of the street and leave the guy lying there. Verse 33 says this. Then this despised Samaritan man came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Can we just talk about Samaritans just for a second? Just so you completely understand who Samaritans were and why it says this man was a despised man. The Samaritans were viewed as, as um, half-breeds. They were Jews that had been captured by the Assyrians and taken out of Israel, and they married uh, other people, other nations. They began to serve other gods. They began to do things that the Bible tells them not to do. And so the Jews felt like Samaritans um, had left behind their faith and had welcomed other things into their life and were sinning, were bad, were dirty, were unclean. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews because of the way the Jews treated them. Okay? So it says he was a despised Samaritan, came along. Now when he saw this guy, who was most likely a Jew, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, remembering that the priests and the Levite both walked away. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged him up, put him on his own donkey, took him to a hotel where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this guy. If his bill runs any higher than this, I'm going to pay you the next time I come back to town. Jesus says, now tell me, which of these three guys would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked? Who, who would you say? Would you say the priest? Would you say the Levite? Or would you say the despised Samaritan? Who the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along, they hate each other. He says, who would you say was the real neighbor? The guy says, well. Now this is interesting. Because in most translations, it won't say, this man won't say that he said the Samaritan was. Talks about the one who showed him mercy. He wouldn't even say Samaritan. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, yeah, now you go and do the same. So who is your neighbor? Everybody. Everybody's your neighbor. Everywhere you go, every person you meet, stranger or friend, family or friend, 
Whatever they are to you, they are still your neighbor. And we are commanded. Go back to the very beginning where, where the guy was talking. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you remember, these are commands. They weren't suggestions in the Old Testament, were they? No, these were commands. God commanded us. This right here, love your neighbor as yourself, comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where God said, you will love your neighbor as yourself. You're commanded to love. You don't get a choice in it. Not if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, what does that make him to you? It makes him your master. Mm -hmm. it makes him your Savior. And what your master do does tells you to do, you do is you do. <laughs> what your master says, you do. You act on. You don't have a choice. If your master shows up and says, hey, I, I want you to do this, you go, eh, I don't think so. That's a bad idea. I disagree with that. It was a command to love your neighbor as yourself. See, it starts with loving God with every piece of who you are. Not just 10%, not just 12, not just 23%, but loving God with every piece of who you are, taking God with you everywhere you go, into every relationship you have, into every conversation you participate in, that you welcome God into those places, into your thought life, into your actions, that you allow God to work in your emotions. Remember those words were? It was talking about literally every piece of who you are. That you allow God in there. And as you begin to love God with every piece of your being, you begin to love yourself. And as you begin to love yourself, you begin to see yourself, and consequently you begin to see everybody else the way that God sees them. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.